0: Welcome to Breaking News with Ben Hunt, Jack Forehand, and Matt Ziegler. Before we start, let me remind you what the show is not. Breaking News is not a show about fact-checking. Breaking News is not a show about saying whose bias is the one and only correct bias. And Breaking News is definitely not a show about calling out fake news. Breaking News is a show where we look at today's top stories and have a conversation around our favorite critical question, why am I reading this now? Drawing on the headlines we're tracking at fiatnews.com, Join us as we talk about what's collectively making us tick with clear eyes, full hearts, and this obligatory disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast is advising you to buy or sell any security or to do anything with your money. Seriously, you should only act on investment advice from someone you know and someone who knows your unique situation. We are not that person. Just one more thing before we start. For anyone listening on the Epsilon Theory audio feed, We have also created a youtube channel for the podcast the channel can be accessed at youtube.com backslash at breaking news pod and we encourage you to subscribe if you would like to watch the episodes on video thank you we appreciate it
1: well welcome to episode one of breaking news i'm matt ziegler that's jack forehand and that of course is ben hunt i thought to start this one we could just spend a second and say, why does the world need another breaking news or news-based podcast or YouTube show? Because, well, there's a few of them out there, as last (laughs) I heard. (laughs) So I'm going to try to explain this with, with three Epsilon Theory terms, because I think this is both useful and it kind of sets the stage for why the three of us are having this conversation in public. And the I want you guys to weigh in on this too. So the three big ideas that I think say this are are the widening gyre, are why am I reading this now, and are clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And I say the widening gyre because I believe that we can all agree social media has changed things. It didn't so much as make us antisocial, but it did have some consequences about us feeling like we're a little bit anti-society sometimes. The medium was supposed to be the message, but somewhere along the line, the messengers became the media. And there's a feature side of that and a bug side of that. And the bug side of that is when we start to feel like we're getting pushed or pulled apart. And that's a big part of what the widening gyre represents and a big part of what we're talking about. Now, the mechanism, part two, why am I reading this now, is this new website that Ben and team just launched called fiatnews.com. And this is now getting us into that the weeds of like what are the headlines, what are the stories, what are the narratives that are shaping this push and pull apart as the messengers who have become the media are now taking these stories and running with them. And let's face it, my my grade school friend who's on Facebook sharing stories doesn't have the same fact checking and editorial department as the new the New York Times did or whoever your media outlet of choice is from, you know, 30 years ago. So why am I reading this now becomes the critical thinking defense that we need to have if we're not just going to pull all the way apart at the seams. And that last idea, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, I think a shared favorite television show and book of all of us here is this idea that as a group of individuals to have clear eyes, to have a full heart, what that means individually is to say, I see things clearly, I have a heart that's full, I'm happy with what I'm doing, I'm proud of what I'm doing, I'm proud of what I'm working on productively, then we can't lose when we multiply that out over the collective. But if we have closed eyes, if we have closed off hearts, we really see quickly that that feature not being a bug of the messengers becoming the media it does not end well. Extra fourth turning, you know, negative bonus points. (laughs) And I guess this show, Breaking News, what I hope it is, and I'm going to invite you guys to weigh in on this, is that if we can read the news, if we can actually talk about what's making us tick, with clear eyes and full hearts, if we can teach others to do it along the way, we can maybe actually change the world a little bit for the better. And that's what we're hoping for. And that's what breaking news. The show is here to do. So Ben, how'd I do? Is that a good (laughs) setup?
2: (laughs) That's a great setup, Matt. And, you know, I would take you off from, from what you're talking about. The problem we have is that the New York times, you know, they're one of the ones who are using their resources and the like to shape and mold the messaging of the news, right? So that old Marshall McLuhan saying that, you know, the, uh, the, the, the medium is the message. The title of that is actually the medium is the massage. Everybody forgets that. But yeah. if you go to Amazon and pull up the book cover and look close, the medium is, is not only the message, but the medium is the massage. And so what, what we mean by breaking news is breaking open the news to, 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 not for fact-checking, right, not for bias in the sense that you typically see, as you, as you put it, you know, personalities talking about the news. That, oh, you know, cry more, Lib, or oh, this is the MAGA, you know, drum beating. That's not what we mean. What we mean is to break open the news so that we see the construction of the news, that we see the words of the news, because so much of news today is not information, it's opinion. It is a conditioner of what we used to call news. It is an attempt to present opinion as news, so that when you read a news article, from the New York Times or uh, from, you know, website Fox News or in any, any of these places where we read news, we want to break that open so that we can see and identify the words that are being used to massage us, to sell us, to present to us opinion as if it were so that's the goal here. That was a great introduction, Matt. And uh, I, I, I think, Jack, you're going to tell the story about how we all came together to talk about this, because I think that gives a sense of, you know, why we're here as much as anything else.
3: And that really gets into what Matt talked about at the beginning, this whole widening gyre thing. You know, I, was, I had asked you to go have a beer with me, and you were, you, you were nice enough to say yes. And when we were time. talking about it, I was complaining about this stuff. I was saying, Ben, you know, I'm noticing, like, all I hear is, you know, left and right all I hear is opinion. There's no news anymore. And I was mentioning to you, and, and I probably idealized this from my childhood more than the reality, but I, I remembered like Tom Brokaw and Dan Rather and Peter Jennings, like you could watch the news at night and at least with some semblance of facts rather than someone's opinion about it. And I was saying to you, I'm like, this really frustrates me, you know? And I'm like, Ben, someone should start a podcast about this. And this is a credit to you because this is, this is a weakness of mine and this is something you've done with Epsilon Theory. Your response to me was, well, then why don't we start it? you know, I would never even consider it like, let's do something about it. I'm thinking it's it's a massive issue. We're not going to have any impact on it. But like what you've done with epsilon theory is really cool because it's all about starting with little things and working your way up, you know, finding your pack, finding like-minded people and working together. And so I, I thought like it was a great opportunity for me instead of just talking about this stuff like I do in my life, you know, I have so far to actually try to put something together and to try to, you know, I'll probably be like the most naive person of the three of us in terms of this stuff. Like I don't understand as well how much I'm being influenced, but like from that perspective, it's a great learning opportunity for me to be able to come on with you guys and to be able to learn like how I'm being influenced by the news and and maybe better interpret it going forward because of it.
2: Well, I tell you, you know, we we often talk about the water in which we swim, right? Which is that old David Foster Wallace story about the two little fish swimming along. Grandfather fish swimming the other direction says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish like they say, yeah, whatever, Gramps, fine. And they swim on, and then one of them looks at the other and says, what the hell is water? And the media that we consume, and we do consume it, we consume it like food, right? We, can, we consume it like the air we breathe, the water in which we swim. It, it's enveloping. It's ubiquitous. We don't, we don't think about it meaning the words that are being used to communicate an idea. We just take it as given. It's just the water in which we swim. So you're absolutely right, Jack. I mean, the goal for us is to develop tools. Man is a tool using animal, right? I mean, let's develop a tool to see the water. Uh, I think that this podcast can go a long way to do that as well, that there's so many things in our life, right, that when you when you recognize them, when you see it, you see that it's everywhere. Um, for me, you know, a good example of that is homeless people, right? If you're not looking for homeless people, they're invisible. If you say, no, I'm looking for homeless people, you'll see them everywhere, everywhere. Uh, there, there are so many examples like that in our lives where something becomes so ubiquitous, so universal, so just much part of our lives that we stop seeing it. And I think it's just so important today as we do immerse ourselves, as Matt was saying, in social media, where we have 24-7 you know, dopamine machines. I'll hold up my, you know, my little iPhone here, right? It's my, my little dopamine machine. We do this to ourselves, <laughs> right? We, we, we've, we've leapt into this ocean of water that we don't pay attention to, and here's a good chance for us to see the water and just understand how we're being influenced. Not that we're trying to escape it, not to go off the grid, but to maintain what I would like to call a critical distance, to not take things at face value to ask yourself always, as Matt was leading off here, why am I reading this now? But there's, an, there's an agency behind media. And that recognizing that agency, not so that you can say, oh, it's awful, it's wrong, it's a lie, fake news, that's not the point, but to recognize that there's an agency here and to maintain some distance so we can keep an autonomy of our hearts and our minds.
1: Well, keeping the autonomy of, of hearts and minds, and maybe it jumps right into the idea of my, my iPhone and uh, the internet trying to waterboard me with social media and not just see the water in which we're swimming. Let's jump in. Jack, I think you've got this divided up into some some fun sections for us. Maybe you can explain how we're going to format this conversation.
3: So there, there's going to be three main sections of every episode. The first is going to be the big story. We're going to pick a big topic that's in the news and we're, we're going to break it down. Um, the second is the zeitgeist, where we're going to pick some headlines and we'll talk in a second about the system we're going to use to do that. But we're going to pick some headlines that might have some nudges in them. And we're going to yep. discuss what those nudges are and how they're influencing us. And then the last one, we're always going to bring it back to something related to stock market. So we're going to have a markets and investing section at the end. where We're always going to talk about markets. But I think, Ben, before we start, you, know, you referenced this idea of seeing the water. And, and I know at fiatnews.com with your system, that's what you're trying to help us do. But I think the details behind that can be a little bit complex. So I'm wondering if you can maybe explain like, how you're doing that at fiatnews.com and how some of the stuff we're going to use for the podcast is going to be selected using that system.
2: Great question, Jack, and, and happy to do it. You know, when I said breaking news, we're trying to break open the news so that we can see and understand the words. And the fact is, there's just too many words for any of us to read. But the amazing thing about not only call it big data, but even more importantly I think for our purposes big compute, right, the ability to have massive computing processing power in our hands at any point in time is that we can build, I mean, it sounds highfalutin to call it a language model, but that's actually what it is. It's words, grammatical phrases, constructions that we've identified that are associated with 15 common ways in which a piece of information is sold to us, is presented to us. So we've, we've actually identified these sets of words and the way they fit with other words, and then look at massive scale at everything that's printed um, from, we look at the top 40 news. Uh, news publications uh, in in the United States and the UK uh, we do it even broader on this for our our investing work but 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 for this exercise to try to look at the stuff that all of us are reading every day we want to identify what are the actual words in there that we don't see they don't stop us we don't say oh that's a weird word no they just they just they're 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 words that are chosen specifically so that they are invisible to us, water to us. But what I promise you is that we are not immune to the use of these words. These are like I'll give you an example, an appeal to an author to authority, where the the sentence will describe you know, experts agree that whatever statement, statement X, right? We just we just glide over that. And yet I promise you that that phrase, experts agree, we internalize that and we can't help ourselves that we will react to whatever comes next after experts agree, we'll nod our heads a little bit. We'll nod our heads a little bit. I give you lots of examples like that, but that's what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to achieve those conditioner words, those modifier words that that occur all the time. In different patterns across everything we read and trying to find out what messages are being particularly you know surrounded by these kind of words for an effort to sell it to you
1: I love what this does on the fiat news dashboard so if people check this out I love how so my brain immediately goes to Cialdini and it immediately goes to that idea of click were and when I see appeals to authority or confidence in doubt or implied cause and effect and whatever else, these are all these click word devices that as soon as they run, it's hard to stop yourself to step
2: back and see the water. Oh, yeah. I mean, we all think we're immune to this stuff, Matt, but in truth, none of us are. We're hardwired to respond to these, these kind of things. And, and they, can, they can come up on you pretty easily. This has been happening for thousands of years, Matt. <laughs> you know, you know when, when, when Socrates was saying, you know, sophist, sophistry, that these, you know, public officials and public philosophers, you know, the, the, uh, the influencers and the, the politicians of, of today, you know, put them back in Athens and whatever, 350 B.C., he's talking about the same thing. The use of words, not as an expression of fact, but as a way to maneuver you into believing something. Right? This, is, this is the human condition, man, except the difference now <laughs> is that we do put it on our little dopamine machines. We, we expose ourselves to it willingly to a degree I don't think has ever happened in human history.
3: I was just thinking about that experts agree when you were saying it. And there's, there's so many ways you could dissect that. Like, I might read that and just say, oh, that's true, experts agree. But do 10% of experts agree or do 80%? And how qualified are the experts? Are they experts actually that we should be listening to or are they not? You know, that's used and I would take that at face value. But the reality is behind the scenes, there could be a lot of stuff going on that you know tells us maybe we should or maybe we shouldn't be listening to these experts that agree.
2: Yeah, it becomes shorthand, Jack. It becomes shorthand, uh, a cheap way of, influencing you that whatever the author of the article is now saying as okay, here's the fact, here's the, the thing you need to, uh, to to believe it's just a shorthand way of conditioning you to be more to, to accept it more readily. That's it and and, it, and, it, and it, this isn't a left or right thing. I mean my God, nobody does this more than than, than, than Donald Trump you know everyone says people say you know there that's and no one does this more than you know the mainstream media talking about whether everything from public health to global warming it's all you know you know trust the science with you know capital K and, and, and capital to capital S it's it's used across the board Precisely because it's so effective, we don't stop and think about it. We just read on and we go, "Huh, that's interesting." So for our first big story, I think we
3: picked a really good one because, at least for me, coming from the investing world, this has been the big story for years now. Um, you know, obviously, I, I went most of my career without hearing about this at all. Um, you know, I, I was thinking back, like I, I don't think I ever cared about a CPI report in my entire career until <laughs> maybe sometime around 2021, and now I like like hang on every CPI report, like what's going on? Like I, I it, it's amazing how much it's been become part of like the narrative and par, part of what's going on in the world. But I wanted to kind of start with a topic by, you wrote a great piece, I think it was maybe a couple of years back called Inflation and the Common Knowledge Game. And I, I think before we talk about inflation, it's important to introduce this idea of the common knowledge game and this idea of missionaries, because it plays so much into what we're going to talk about. So can you kind of introduce that concept before we talk about inflation? Sure,
2: sure. And The way I'll introduce that to you is to say that if you went back a few more years, if you went back to 2008, 2009, that you're right. You wouldn't be thinking there was no attention paid to all the different macro reports that come out on inflation. What you would have been paying attention to, certainly I pay, you know, everybody involved in investing paid attention to, was every possible report dealing with unemployment right, to the point where, you know, it wasn't just the big first Friday of every month number, which is the unemployment, the, the big unemployment number, but it was the weekly numbers on changes in unemployment um, claims, right, which is a terrible data series. Done. It's not even done by um, – the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they actually put it out to some subgroup because nobody paid attention to it. Nobody cared about it, and yet that became everything if you were investing in '08 and '09, It became everything. That Thursday number would come up, S&P futures would go up 10, down 10, depending on what this crappy data series had to say. And think about that. Today, we're all focused our attention on inflation. So every data series that can have any indication on inflation, that's what moves markets now. And it's so instructive to me to think about how much we live in an attention economy, that what we invest in and what we talk about and what we do, what we think matters is what we are told we should pay attention to. So what you just described, that, oh, my God, we're all talking about inflation, we're all thinking about it and the like, stepping back from a second and, and thinking about that water that, oh, well, you know, a few years ago we were all paying attention to something else, and today we're all paying attention to this. My point to you is a few years from now we'll all be paying attention to something else, and we will think it's just as natural as swimming in water, as breathing the air, these things happen on the big scale, unemployment, inflation, whatever's next, and they happen on a micro scale as well. So what we're looking at, these words that we're talking about, when we talk about fiat news, we all know what fiat money is. It's just money from a printing press. It's made-up money. Fiat news is made-up news. It's telling you what you should be paying attention to. It happens at the macro scale, like you're saying, we've gone from unemployment to inflation to whatever's next. It happens on a micro scale with every little thing we read and are exposed to. And that's what we're trying to look at here. We we can apply it to our discussion about inflation, but that attention economy that we have and looking at the words that make us pay attention to something. I'm just curious. You had mentioned
3: like in a few years, you know, we probably it'll be something else other than inflation. Oh, of like, course. Will that be true even if inflation stays high? Will that just be because we'll be used to the higher inflation? So we'll be talking about something
2: else or will that like will that be necessitated by some sort of change in inflation? For all of these things, for, for all of these macroeconomic and political issues we have. You know, there was a great line by uh, Hemingway when he was asked about religions. What's true? and his great line was it's all true <laughs> it's all true Inf- of course inflation is important of course of course you know you should we should be paying attention to it and 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 and, and the like of course that'll be a an, an an issue just like unemployment's an issue it's all true these stories that we tell ourselves over and over again they're always out there they don't they never die but what you should be asking yourself, and this is at the heart of why am I reading this now, is trying to give yourself a little critical distance and to say, well, why is this, you know, at, you know, an inflation reading right now? Why is that the end all and be all? Right? It's not that it's not important. It's not that we won't be talking about it. It's that something else will take its place that we'll need to be very upset about. That we'll need to be angry about, that we'll need to fix, and the like. And it may well be true. Inflation is horrible. It's a real problem. It really is. We have lots of real problems, right? (laughs) And and it's it's the 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 effort that is made to elevate a specific problem to your attention or a specific solution. The effort that is being made is the water that I want everyone to encourage to, to start looking for. And to identify. Not that it's not a problem, not that it's a lie, not that any of it is fake news, but to, to but to give yourself a little distance and say, look, we got lots of great things in the world, we got lots of problems in the world. Why am I being pushed to focus on this particular issue right now? That's the point. Inside of that
1: Something yeah. that we've talked about that I think is super interesting is so once once it becomes the focus, the darling of the attention, the thing that everybody knows everybody else is paying attention to, it's how the the blame game, the forecast game, the what's interesting about this, how people can borrow inflation for whatever other story they want to tell and attach it to it. Can you, talk, can you talk a little bit about like the the, the trends in that attachment right now? And I know we traded back and forth on, I don't know if you still have it, a what Republicans versus what Democrats blame for the story. And it's just it's really telling to say once it becomes the thing everybody's talking about, how it becomes a thing that now everybody tries to tag on to their their opinion of choice.
2: So we're again we 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 bring in all these different phrases and gosh I, I need to write a book right so I, I, I and I will I promise but we'll explore all of these in this in this series I think it's so useful so two kind of more phrases we'll bring up here Matt you just mentioned it Jack you mentioned it before it's this notion of what everyone knows that everyone else knows and the technical term for that is common knowledge right? it's not what you know. It's what you know that everyone else knows. It's 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 that second order of knowledge and trust me in investing it's so much more important than what you yourself believe or know. Right? What 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 you think is true about inflation or about you know unemployment or about the economy, I mean God bless if you think you're special and you know but it doesn't matter what you think you know. what matters a lot is what everyone thinks that everyone thinks and that's that's what moves markets and that's how you get ahead of things is to try to identify what everyone think who what everyone believes that everyone believes. and there are particular rules to this game is called the common knowledge game and you know you can look it up on Wikipedia and it, 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 we've written a lot about it. The point you're getting at, though, Matt, is that once something becomes common knowledge, once we all know that we all know inflation is awful, everyone knows that. Even if you think, yeah, inflation's tough, but, you know, it's not the worst thing out there, it doesn't matter if you believe that everyone else believes that inflation is the issue, is the problem. It becomes a common knowledge becomes a conduit for everything else you want to talk about. And that's what happens, Matt, is what we call auto-tuning, right? Because today, everything around a common knowledge issue like inflation, inflation's bad. It becomes auto-tuned into either the red tribe or the blue tribe, either the Republican side or the Democrat side. It's what you were talking about earlier, that widening gyre, the polarization we have in our society. It's intentionally done by, I like to call them, political entrepreneurs. Jack, you asked about the word missionary beforehand. That's what we mean by a missionary. Not in a religious sense, but in a narrative sense, in a word sense, in a sense of, well, let me tell you why inflation is so bad. It's that, you know, it's that, you know, Brandon in the White House is making, that's that's who was making inflation bad. Or on the other hand, oh, the rate of inflation is down by 50% since we signed the Inflation Reduction Act. Right? That's (laughs) Bidenomics. So it, it... once something becomes common knowledge, once we all know that we all know that inflation is the issue we need to be talking about, then, to your point, Matt, it all the aspects of that become a conduit for us to, you know, everything we say has to be auto-tuned into either a good-sounding song for the, the red tribe or a good-sounding song for the blue tribe. And, you know, Matt, I know you know music, so you, you know what I mean about all the the, the, the auto-tuning here. It, it, it's, this is our world, right? Where, where everything we do is auto-tuned and it's a crappy world when that happens.
1: And lest we forget, before auto-tuning was fixing Britney Spears, it was helping the fracking industry get its start because that's where that technology comes from wild how these stories and narratives change one of my i was in college when autotune was new studying music production and technology and finding out from like the engineering you know journals and other things that like oh we figured this out when we were doing this novel new thing in the late 90s early 2000s called fracking (laughs) and now we can make you on tune with it
2: (laughs) yes it's just incredible so yeah Matt and jack you know talking about inflation and 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 we had a chart, maybe we can we can find a way to, to, to put it up here on the, on the podcast, but it's what do Democrats and Republicans blame for inflation? And it's a fascinating chart because it gives all these reasons for inflation, and honestly, they're all right. They're all correct. Like Hemingway said, it's all true. It's all true. But our ability to take a reason – and turn it into an argument, a story, that's what these words, like ascribing to authority or conditionality or all the different, these 15 categories of ways in which arguments are sold to us or narratives are sold to us, this is what's happening. We can, to to try to, I think, wrestle well or successfully with a real problem like inflation, I think it requires us to maintain that sort of critical distance and not get sucked in to either the red tribe's stories about inflation or the blue tribe's story about inflation, to recognize that there are elements of truth in all of these arguments, but to step back far enough to see the water, to to see the words that are being used to try to pull us, to auto-tune us into either red or blue, to step back from that, recognize the truth of all the different strands, and knit together what I think is a much truer and much more um, actionable, right, (laughs) much more helpful, tapestry of 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 how the world actually exists
1: and you have to see the melody before you can auto-tune it artfully and be an educated consumer of this stuff right that's like that's the productive the productive read of the water around us has to come from this desire to have a productive read of the stuff that everybody's talking about so we're not just getting swept away in the current
2: 100 percent 100 percent
3: it struck me like how much, although I, I think you're right, like all of the causes of inflation here at least have some impact on inflation. But I yeah. mean, collectively, we got this very, very wrong, I think. Um, you know, if you look at the top ranked things, I mean, they, they are not the top ranked things. And I, I believe at least, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the one that's dead last is actually the biggest cause of inflation. So and it's very much along party lines, what you'd expect. I mean, you've got Republicans blaming government spending. You've got Democrats blaming large corporations. It's, you know, it's amazing. You see this widening gyre, like in, in this data. It's pretty amazing to me. It is
2: amazing to me as well. And and you're right, the I th- I think there are two enormous drivers of inflation. You know, like you say, it's all true. Um there is a big truth that gets very little attention here or very little agreement from Republicans or Democrats that it's a real driver of inflation. That is the level of consumer demand. Friends, let me tell you, the level of consumer demand that is the biggest driver of inflation or not, at least in the U.S. You know, it's the purchasing decisions of households. <laughs> that's, that's what inflation is. That's what inflation is. But, but there's no political gain to be made from that, to, in a sense, blame the consumer for inflation. It's not blame. We're just trying to identify, well, what, what is it? What is the driver of inflation? It's, it's that, oh, I'm willing to pay more for this, or I think that prices are going up. So I'm going to set prices higher. That that gets the, And then there's another one that's not even on the list. It's not even on the list, which is 12 years of incredibly accommodative monetary policy of the price of money being set at zero for a decade. I'm, I'm looking here at the list. That's not even on the list. Are you, are you kidding me? And, and again, it's not on the list because there's no effective way, I think, for either a Democratic political entrepreneur or a Republican uh, political entrepreneur to use that argument in a way that benefits, that can be easily be auto-tuned into a red tribe or a blue tribe song and and so this is what's what's amazing to this stuff about this stuff to me, right? It's, it's it's not just what is on a list of the causes of inflation, but is what doesn't even make the list. And if you think about like the the consumer demand, one, I mean, no
3: one has anything to gain by blaming consumer demand. I mean, effectively, I'm blaming myself. i'm I'm a consumer. so like there, there's just no reason you know you can tell how much people's imp- opinions are being influenced by the fact that no one has any reason to count that as a reason for inflation.
2: Right, as opposed to the top two reasons. So the top reason for inflation, spending by the federal government. It's true. It's true. Spending by the federal government is absolutely a driver of inflation, right? And 77% of Republicans think that is the biggest factor to blame for, uh, for, for inflation. Uh, 31% of Democrats. Number two, what's to blame? Large corporations seeking maximum profits absolutely that's a driver of inflation. Oh, my God, that's a driver of inflation. 100% that's a driver of inflation. 76% of Democrats say, yeah, that's a big driver. 44% of Republicans think that's a big driver, right? To your point, Jack, those two claims, oh, it's the big bad corporations, or oh, it's big bad Congress, those are perfect for political arguments. Oh, yeah, bring it on. Right? I mean, those are those are songs that are immediately auto-tunable into a red tribal song or a blue tribal song. And so it's no accident that those are the stories about inflation that we are inundated with, that we are absolutely inundated with using the language of fiat news, To rile us up, to force our attention to these aspects of inflation and to, I think pretty intentionally, prevent us from looking at other drivers of inflation. So picking up on this
3: idea, I think it's good to move to the zeitgeist now because we can sort of show some examples of maybe some articles where where some of these tools are being utilized. And, you know, for me personally, like outside of investing, I don't really read the news. So this is going to be kind of eye-opening <laughs> for me. Like actually going and reading these to prepare for this was actually pretty fun because I'm like, I haven't read this stuff in a long time. But, and it was interesting when I sent this to you, like the, you had these ranked by your system and the number one ranked article, at least last week when you sent it to us was Boston may have cracked the code on universal pre-K. And, and my initial reaction to that was, well, that doesn't seem that bad. Like there's not that much going on. And then I started reading the article and you probably knew when I said this to you in the, in the prep document, like that it's not that bad that I was going to read the article and I was going to realize I was wrong. But I just want to read the intro to it because it's interesting. It says, 16 four-year-olds are standing side by side inside a brightly decorated classroom, grinning and giggling and fidgeting only a little bit as they prepare to sing about the sun. They're rehearsing a performance for their upcoming graduation from their year in one of Boston's free kindergarten programs. So Ben, my reaction to that was like, how do I, I have a kid who's going to pre-K next year. How do I sign my son up for this utopia? Absolutely. It sounds sounds amazing. Like, I can't can't wait to get into this. It sounds
2: amazing, doesn't it? It sounds amazing, and and the rest of the article, um, is 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 has very little tonal difference from that. And basically, that's what we're trying to pick up with our fiat news uh, analysis. It's a lot. You can think of it as what's the tone, right? But but you can break it down more than that. You can break it down into the very specific language that's being used to. Condition the reader to say, "Oh, this sounds great. This sounds amazing." And I, I was thinking about kind of some easy ways, kind of you know, do-it-yourself DIY ways of checking the news you're reading for the degree to which it's trying to sell you on something. And there are actually some some pretty easy ways to look at. It. And we, you know, we break it all down on our on our. Uh, Fiatnews.com, but we already mentioned one, right? The using uh, experts say uh, people agree. You know that that's a kind of a, a, a an easy one that I think clicks with people pretty 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 quickly. I'll I'll give another one that I think clicks pretty easily with people. Adverbs. Just just lots of adverbs. You know when when. Um, It doesn't even require superlatives, which is, you know, one of our categories that we look at. You know, this is amazing, this is the best, or it's the highest, or the lowest, or the worst, if you're trying to describe something as bad, because a lot of these are trying to paint uh, a negative image about something. You know, we picked this one that is uniformly using very positive words. And so it's uh, lots of adverbs, lots of appeals to authority. I'll give you one other that... Once you start looking for it, you'll see it everywhere. It's not so much in this particular article where this one I'm going to describe to you. You'll see all the time is in our world, financial news and it's conditionality. And what conditionality is, is it's setting up statement one and statement two. Both statement one and statement two are true, but conditionality is inserting a word like as or at the same time is trying, it, it, it conditions the reader to think, oh, statement one is conditional on statement two. Here's what I mean. I promise you that, um, you know, go look at Bloomberg or uh, the journal after today's trading session. Or better yet, you know, after tomorrow's trading session. Something will have, because today you had the big news of the Fed. So, so the, the, the headline of today's market session, whether the market is up, down, or sideways. Let's look at it right now. I bet it's kind of sideways. It's almost exactly back to where it was. It is exactly back to where it was before the, uh, the press conference. S&P is down, you know, 14 basis points. Dow Jones is up ever so slightly. Right? It's exactly where it was before. The headlines today will say market result, comma, as Jay Powell says, blah blah blah. Right? Two statements, market results. Jay Powell did this, but the commentary, the words will be used to imply that there is a that, that one comes from the other, that one's comes from there. Just try this, guys. Just just try it. Every, after the close, I promise you, go to Bloomberg, look at their different headlines. You will find at least one article where the headline will be that. Statement one, statement two, linked by, as, while, something like that, implying that one caused the other. and. You'll read it, and it'll just set in your head thinking about, oh, that's what caused it. That's what did it. They have to. This is the business of media, is to explain the world to you, to give you a why for the world. If the truth is, most market outcomes, certainly on any kind of daily or maybe probably even weekly outcome, it's – Variants, right? There is no why to it. Uh, analysts, pundits, CNBC, TV stations, they go out of business if they say, eh, variance, what are you going to do? Right? <laughs> no, you have to say why. And what we see so much, and this is one that, until you're looking for it, you say, oh, I, I, I didn't get it. But once you see it, you'll see it everywhere, is this notion of using these conditionality words that set one as causing another. That's the kind of stuff that we pick up in all these articles. It can be the adverbs, which this article you're talking about, about the, you know, the, the universal pre-K, it's just chock full of these happy adverbs. Financial media, you'll often see the ones that are the chock full of these kind of statement one, statement two, but we're going to imply some causality here. This is the kind of stuff we, we look at, and it's the kind of tools that anyone can use uh, to, as Matt was saying, become a more intelligent consumer of all this information that we're just ingesting all the time.
1: So let's hit a couple of more of these headlines from the Fiatnews.com tool, which Ben just reminded us, you need a subscription to be able to see all the details, but anybody can see the high level. Uh, Anyone can see the
2: high-level stuff. Ab- ab- absolutely right, and the and the high-level stuff I think is 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 fascinating, right? So you know we can break it down into U.S. economy news and U.S. culture war news and the degree to which you know we're doing these these twelve different um, you know types of 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 wording, the implied cause and effect, conditionality, all these things. And yeah, I mean you can. Get into specific media outlets and specific topics with a subscription but it's important to us that the gist of this idea of making everyone a better consumer of information it's available to everyone absolutely
1: so highly highly recommend checking this out highly highly recommend i mean i was a long time epsilon theory subscriber since before this if you can drill into this You get to see some of these crazy other headlines that uh, they're fascinating stories. I got totally sucked into this one about don't like Biden's politically hijacked education. There is another way forward. We must go down a path that puts education back in the education system. And beyond why am I reading this now? I'm fascinated by it's like a seventh grade journalism class all over again. I say that because my mom taught me seventh grade English so she can get full credit but that who, what, when, where, why, how, that we have to ask when we're reading this stuff yep. because putting education back in the education system, it's really interesting. We have this Ryan Walters, this Oklahoma state superintendent, this very compelling argument and what's going on. And I, I wanna talk about like the when aspect for a second. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if you're not familiar with the story, but like translate just the the when. Like why would an article about education and Oklahoma and this thing like bubble to the surface in such, such a, a compelling and rhetorically argued way? Why would that be bubbling up now? Because it
2: clicks with people, right? That, 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 that's, that's a, The business of media is engagement. Right? And, you know, Jack, we're all thinking about inflation right now in markets. Some years ago, we were all thinking about employment. Let's think not about kind of markets and investing, but let's think about our lives as citizens. Talking about education and our kids, our children, uh, finding either a horror story somewhere or – Finding some great exam, some you know, some something that is praiseworthy. I mean, look, Jack, that that Boston area pre-K, yeah, like you say, sign me up. It sounds wonderful. It's fantastic. (laughs) I'm not saying that universal pre-K is a bad idea. I'd love universal pre-K, I really do. I like a lot about what the the, this article about you know putting education back in the, there's there's so much to like about that as well. They come up though. Matt, to answer your question because uh, they do drive engagement and there are two main ways of driving engagement, right? There's um, increasingly what I like to call the uh, rage engagement, right? Which is something is presented to you precisely because it makes you angry, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right? CNN loves Donald Trump running for president. Oh, my God, CNN is the best thing possible for CNN because they can make their viewership angry. Biden, and this is why the, the, you know, this article on Fox News mentions Joe Biden by name in the headline. In the headline. Right, (laughs) is because they want people who are angry at Joe Biden to read this article. So, there, so there's rage engagement, and the other one is what I like to call a mirror engagement. This author thinks just like me. I I, I I've been wanting. I I I've been thinking this too. This has been bothering me too. Or this is uh, this this is something I've been concerned about too. And look, there's an article. It's it's sharing my concerns. Shares my concerns. This is why we read things now. This is. You know, Matt, why does this bubble up? Because it works. Why do we have so much language, fiat news language? It's just been increasingly going up as long as we've been able to track this. Because it works. Because it works. Because we do engage with it all the time. Because we do willingly let ourselves just swim in this ocean of of fiat news, opinion presented as news, it works. This just struck me, like, the, the scope of the problem kind of struck
3: me when you, were, when you said that because it was making me read stuff is, A, that it makes me mad, and B, that I agree with the opinion in there. Like, you keep yeah. doing that over and over again, you've got a catastrophic problem. You've got your widening gyre you talked about. Everybody's over here, or everybody's over here, and they're not just over here or over here, but they're angry about where, the whole thing as well. Like, that, that's not a good recipe for success.
2: Well, it's not a good recipe for success for a society. You're absolutely right, Jack. And maybe this is kind of a good one. You know, we've, uh, uh, maybe, maybe we'll, this is a good one, I think, to wrap up our first episode of, of, of breaking news. You're absolutely right, Jack, that this is, I think, a terrible prescription for society. What I'll also tell you, and I think, mean, you know, Matt, you do some writing. Jack, you're out there in the world with a podcast and the like. Um, it's very difficult to find an audience, to find a business model that allows you not to go down the path of singing the red tribal songs or down the path of singing the blue tribal songs. Uh, was it uh, Margaret, Margaret Thatcher? I think she gets the credit for it. You know, if you you know what happens to if you're in the middle of the road, you get run over. <laughs> and I. I Look, I've been at a professional career of looking at media and understanding the words and the way we say things to each other. I've been doing this for almost 40 years now. It's never been so polarized, not in my lifetime. It's never been more difficult to say anything that recognizes strands of truth from both sides, uh, that recognizes elements of horrific, Salesmanship and narrative creation on both sides. It's never been more difficult to be in the middle. Ever. Right. And so you're absolutely right. This is terrible for society, but for the actual participants, that's what I'm saying. It works. And I don't know how to get out of that except to provide tools for people to say, hey, here's how you're being led by the nose or by the ears or the eyes, let's say. I, I, that's how I think the, the only way I can come up to try to change it, right, is to, to arm ourselves to recognize what's being done to us because it's being done to us. And that, that doesn't make me very happy. It makes me a little mad. Well,
1: let me let me take my best crack at this. I I, I got notes. This is what I do. I just listen to these things. <laughs> so let me let me try to summarize episode one of breaking news and some of the big things, just the takeaways. And I know in future episodes we're gonna try to talk about some market implications and other things and thinking about how to do this, but I think that's where these notes kind of landed today, too. So we started off, we talked about opinion as news in this fiatnews.com website, this tool that we have is to actually start to just try to see opinion as news. Because if we see the water, then we can notice the currents too. And it's that pushing that gives us that critical distance to say, I don't just recognize the water, but I also recognize the current of which I'm swimming in or swimming against becomes one of our most critical tools. And Ben, you walked us through it expertly in this inflation and the common knowledge game and use this word that I, I think about a lot, but the way you framed it really struck me differently. You called it the attention economy, mm-hmm. and the link back to how that changes over time, what a what a profound insight that is, because the common knowledge shifts. The thing we're talking about and when we're talking about it shifts. It's, it's not static. There's not a single tale as old as time to invoke the Fievel, but there is this idea that these things keep coming back up because the attention economy, it's the attention that we're going after. And that takes us to the common knowledge as a conduit, as you put it, and giving us the idea of what the Hemingway quote that you brought up, where it's its not just that one thing is true. It's that it's all true and it's all true all the time, which leads us into different forms of engagement if it's true all the time. The rage engagement versus the mirror engagement. And the final point, and I think we go out on this today, is how do you succeed without singing in auto tune? And that's maybe the biggest question
2: of them all. I think that's right. That was that's a good summary, Matt. You're pretty good at this stuff.
1: I've had some practice. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us. Episode one of Breaking News. We're going to be back soon with uh, some more Breaking of the News. Check out fiatnews.com. We've got some fun uh, how to find us in the, the notes at the end. And thanks for
2: hanging out, guys. Thank you. It was awesome. Thanks, everyone. This was great.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you're watching Breaking News so more people can find our show. If you know another clear-eyed and full-hearted individual, why not share this episode with them too? Like we said at the top, the media is making us tick, and it's our job to talk. Follow the headlines at fiatnews.com. Follow Ben at epsilontheory.com and at epsilontheory on Twitter. Follow Jack at validiacapital.com and at Practical Font on Twitter. Follow Matt at sunpointinvestments.com cultishcreative.com and at cultishcreative on Twitter. Ben Hunt is the co-founder and CIO of Second Foundation Partners. Jack Forehand is a principal at Validia Capital Management. Matt Ziegler is managing director at Sunpoint Investments. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Second Foundation Partners, Validia Capital, or Sunpoint Investments. No information on this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Securities discussed in the podcast may be holdings of Second Foundation Partners, Validia Capital, or Sunpoint Investments. Nothing in this podcast is investment advice.